Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast, where we talk about how to experience gospel freedom. Romans 6-7 says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. On today's broadcast, Mike Cleveland, founder of Setting Captives Free, shares how you can experience the freedom purchased for us by Jesus Christ at the cross. Well, welcome once again to our podcast. I'm so thankful and joyful to be with my husband. Well, I'm the husband (laughs) of Jody. What a way to introduce it. With my wife, Jody. Jody, thanks for joining me. And thanks for being my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being my husband. It's great to be here with you. Okay. Well, we're looking today at Ephesians chapter 5. By the way, this is our fourth podcast on this subject. So if you're listening for the first time, uh, there are three other podcasts on Ephesians chapter 5. So this is really the summary, and it's actually the culmination of Ephesians chapter 5. We've learned in this passage how to interact in a marriage. We saw that last time in Ephesians 5, 21 to 28. Now we come to verse 29, Jody, and it says, After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Now, in the context of a marriage, what we're talking about here is the husband's role, that the husband is to consider his wife as a member of his own body and to feed and care for her. There's ways to do that physically. There's ways to do that spiritually. Physically, I'm to feed you. Hmm. I'm to care for you, right? (laughs) To clothe you. Uh, I am to care for you and feed you spiritually. Yes. My role as a husband is to take you to the Word of God, to the cross of Christ, and to feed your soul. Yeah. To help you to to learn how to eat the bread of life, the Word of God. Yes. Uh, I'm to feed you, and the 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 true feeding is when I take you to the cross. Amen. Because Jesus said, "This is my body." broken for you. Yes. And this is my blood of the new covenant shed for you. Yes. And that is to be a meal for our souls as we feast on Christ. So I'm to feed you, to care for you, and to love you as a member of my own body, even as Christ does the church. Jody, Jesus cares for us as the church. He feeds us even now. He feeds and cares for us. He protects us and provides for us. Isn't that beautiful? It is indeed. And um, I love this uh, section because it really expounds on, um, in our previous section, we talked about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ and wives submitting to their husbands as the church Uh, submits to Christ, and we talked about husbands loving their wives and washing them at the word, and now we're coming to this aspect of feeding and clothing us with the gospel, um, reminding us of who we are in Jesus Christ. And And there was this one section or one little passage in verse 28 that says, he who loves his wife loves himself. And I thought that was so beautiful because Um, It really is an encouragement to husbands, Christian husbands, to love their wives. You're actually loving yourself when you love your wife in this way. And this love 
is so centered in Christ and so focused on the cross of Christ and the finished work of Jesus that it becomes a mutual feast. It becomes a mutual blessing. You you experience such love. I experience such love. And then it's just a love feast. You know, it's just so wonderful. It's it's that cord of three strands that is not quickly broken, right? Jesus wrapped us around us so tightly, holding us together with his love. And and then there is this peace and joy and harmony and all these wonderful things that we all want in our marriage. That's how we get it is by coming to the cross together. You know, as you were, as you were talking there, I just thought of a relationship that, let's say, a man and wife, husband and wife, they're not doing well, yeah. and and maybe they've gone to secular counseling or maybe even Christian counseling, and they're taught to to have a date night. They're taught to, um, you know, bring flowers to your wife if she likes them, or you know, find out what the husband likes and do them. That all falls short of what you just described. Oh, there, there's nothing wrong with having a date night. Oh, it sure. can be helpful and beneficial and fun. There's nothing wrong with bringing flowers or do, you know something that each person likes, but that all falls short. What we're talking about is the husband needs to be the spiritual leader of his family, of his wife. He is to lead his wife to the cross, not only in his actions, but in his words, both should uh, lead his wife to the cross. Right. Um, I think it's really important to realize that what we're being invited into here is an eternal mindset, right? I mean, if date night is the end all and and you you need all these types of um, uh, temporary things to hold your relationship together, what's going to happen? when you can't afford date night, mm. when you can't afford to buy the outfit that they want or go to the place that they want or have the vacation they want or they can't get their bass boat or they can't, you know, whatever it is, you know, the thing that supposedly is going to keep them happy. Mm -hmm. We need an eternal, we need a longer mindset, a longer goal, a, mm -hmm. a bigger vision than just these short-sighted temporary Band-Aid type fixes. That's right. And when I'm 85 years old and I can't do anything, can't take you on a date night, you and I can sit here with the Word of God open and we can fellowship together. We can see what Jesus did for us. The Holy Spirit will be empowering yes. and enabling us together and we will rejoice because we have had a date night. Yes, yes. <laughs> Enjoying and worshiping and feasting on Jesus. And uh, Friends, this is what we will be doing throughout eternity. Mm -hmm. This is preparation. It right? is. It's yeah. preparation and, and For the this real wedding. Right. This love fest that you described, mm -hmm. where man and wife together are looking at Jesus, are together in the Word of God, is powerful. It draws the man's heart to the wife, the wife's heart to the man, and both hearts to Christ. Yes. And and it expands our hearts. It grows and our hearts to where we feel like we're full, we're, we're over, overflowing, our cup overflows, you know? And, and so this is what we're talking about. It doesn't hurt to go out to eat. I'm that's sure. fine. Um, it doesn't hurt to take vacations. That's all fine. But it's missing the point. Yeah. It's missing how 
wives and husbands' hearts are drawn together. And that happens only as you feast upon Christ, the Passover lamb, as you drink his blood, which simply means taking in and receiving the benefits of the cross. As we do that, we love each other. Our love for one another grows deeper and wider. So what we're talking about here is man, uh, husbands, uh, their role in the marriage and wife's role in the marriage. Verse 31, it says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Jody, what do you think about as you read that verse? Well, um, and we spoke to this earlier uh, just briefly, but talking about physical intimacy, um, uh, that's that's what he's talking about is that we leave um, like I left my mother and father and you left your mother and father and we were united together and we became one flesh we became a a couple separate we still have family we still see them periodically and we still call them and check on them and whatever but but we are united together we are our own couple right there's a warning in this passage, uh, which is there are people who don't leave their mother and father yeah. and, and still think of that as more important than their husband or their wife. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's several pitfalls in marriage. We've talked about this before. They all start with F. Um, family, finances, um, Fun, which we've called sexual intimacy, (laughs) family, finances, fun, friends can be hindrances. Um, If if you don't leave your father and mother, but you still do what they say and raise your kids like your mother and father tell you to instead of what your husband and wife want, you haven't really left your mother and father, and that's a danger. Uh, Sometime we'll talk about the other Fs in in marriage, but... This is one of them that can cause friction in a marriage if one party hasn't left. Now, of course, we still maintain our relationships with our parents. Sure. We just saw my dad and stepmom last weekend, which was fun. Yeah. Um, but we haven't, we've left them as to the primary relationship. You and I are the primary relationship. Right. We leave father and mother, and we are united together. We're joined together in physical and spiritual intimacy. The two will become one, mm-hmm. uh, one flesh. There's also an order here, right. right? It's leaving father and mother, joining together as husband and wife, and then having physical intimacy. Sure. Yeah. Again, a lot of people do this in the reverse order, right? Right. We take the relationship for a test run. We like we drive in a car. Let's have sexual intimacy, and then we'll decide if we want to get married. These are all the wrong things to do in a marriage, aren't they? It's the wrong order, and it you know it does. It has its um, a negative impact when you do it in the wrong way. But there's grace. Mm-hmm. There is grace for everyone who has done it wrong, um, and God is able to heal those heart wounds and restore and reorient us according to uh, His gospel. So that's the good news. Exactly right. For those who have done it wrong, Jesus did it right. And his doing it right is put to your account as if you did it right. God no longer sees any sin, any error. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the past 
whether you've done it wrong, the wrong order, maybe you've had an abortion, maybe you've committed sexual impurity, God does not see any of that. That is washed away in the blood of Jesus. Your past was nailed to a cross. Your past was buried in a tomb. And now what God sees is the new you. You have risen with Christ to a new life, and he sees that, only that, nothing of the past. Uh, The past should not affect your present because the past has died. It's nailed to a cross. But maybe they do need to um, reevaluate their relationship with their family and make sure that um, those relationships, either with family or friends, are not hindering the marital relationship. That's if anybody right. in your life, if it's your mom or your dad or your sibling or friends that is pulling you away from your spouse, you need to check that relationship because God has joined the husband and the wife and other relationships are secondary and and should be um kept in their proper perspective, the proper place, which is subservient to the main relationship. That is an excellent point. Yeah. When we talk about becoming one flesh here, what, why is it so important, if you think about it, Jody, why is it so important this one flesh relationship be pure? In other words, why does the sexual relationship need to evidence purity? Because of verse 32, which says, This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. And that is, this is something, I'm going to be honest with you, I was a 40-something, maybe, when I <laughs> learned this and began to understand it. Um, uh, I did not have this understanding of sexual intimacy at all. I did not understand that it pointed to Christ and his church. And because I lacked that understanding, I um, did not relate sexually um, impurity. I was was not able to, um, you know, sex was like a tool, you know, a manipulation. Uh, it was not a, um, it was a way to get whatever I wanted, right? It was not this beautiful spiritual uh, picture that it was supposed to be. Right, exactly. And and this is why the devil attacks the area of sexual purity. Yeah. He attacks it and says, oh, there are alternative ways in which you can gratify your flesh that are just fine because it destroys the picture of Christ and the church. Anytime we interact in sexual impurity, we are marring, we're throwing mud on the gospel of Jesus Christ, how Christ lives in the church. John 15 tells us to remain in Christ. It says, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. This is a term of intimacy, remaining in Christ. Christ in us, we in him. It's a beautiful picture, and that is what sexual purity is designed to show is this beautiful relationship of Christ giving himself for us. He died on the cross and then by his spirit, he lives in us and he produces fruit through us. Jody, that's the picture of sexual intimacy. Yes. Um, The man and wife joined together in one producing fruit is all a picture 
It's all a picture. And that's why he says, as you mentioned in verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Yes. And, and so he quoted from Genesis chapter 2 here, a, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, yeah. and the two will become flat, one flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole thing in Genesis chapter 2 points forward to the gospel. Even if you look at Adam being put into a deep sleep and having his side opened, so that he might have a bride, that is pointing forward to the last Adam, Jesus Christ, who was put into the deep sleep of death. And he was put into this death on the cross, and he had his side opened by a Roman soldier Mm -hmm. so that he might have a bride, meaning what came out of his side, blood that forgives our sin, water that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And then when Jesus died, the Holy Spirit comes into us and lives in us. Yes. And as that happens, fruit is produced. A man and a wife are joined together in one flesh and fruit is produced, right? They have children. And so this is why sexual purity is so important in the marriage. Anything other than a man and a wife joined together in one flesh, is sexual impurity. It destroys the picture of Jesus on the cross, of the Holy Spirit in us. Yes. And that's why we're to be living in purity. Absolutely. And this is one of the reasons why um, Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 tells us not to deprive each other um, sexual intimacy except by mutual consent and for a time so that you can devote yourselves to prayer. So in other words, if you're going to take agree together to take some time away from physical intimacy, then it's got to be for spiritual intimacy, right? That, that deeper, even more intimate relationship is the only thing that should fill up the gap in the physical because, um, we're humans, right? We have weak flesh and, and we might lack self-control. And if we deprive each other uh, for a reason other than spiritual intimacy, this seeking um, the Lord for in prayer for something specific, right? Um, then we, we leave ourselves open and vulnerable to sexual impurity. So it's very, this is a beautiful picture of Christ in a his church, the intimacy that Christ has with the church, sexual inter, um, intimacy is in a husband and wife in a marriage. And when we uh, mar it in any way, we ruin the picture and we, we've we experienced sin, we're defiled, it's, it's always going to cause problems. I'm glad you brought that passage up in 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, there's a danger today where people will go on a 90-day sex fast. Sure. Um, maybe the both partners aren't agreeable to it. Even if they are, it's it's still a danger. It, it is short-sighted, and unless spiritual intimacy is what is holding you together, unless you are praying together, unless you are united in Christ, this whole 90-day sex fast just it's just going to be an opportunity for the evil one, i got to tell you. Right. There are uh, times Absolutely. when both of you decide together that it's appropriate for us to 
come away from sexual intimacy together to draw near to the Lord together. Yeah. You and I have done that at times uh, in the past. Absolutely. Um, I, I think of a time here where, you know, your body was basically broken, your pain in your back and, uh, and lower hip because mm-hmm. of, what was that, a disc yeah, I have a herniated disc. In herniated my back. disc, yeah. and it was causing a lot of pain. Yeah, you know, and and that was a time where we could, you know, uh, pull apart from one another physically, but join together spiritually in prayer. Yeah. God is healing your back. We yes. we made it for a a time. We didn't actually make the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we sought the Lord in prayer, and that right? was the important thing. And and we got the healing that we were asking for. And, and that's. Uh, yeah. What's important is that we communicated during that time That's together. Um, you know, I had the freedom if I wanted to or needed to to say, hey, I'm, I'm tempted. I didn't. But, you know, you gave me that freedom. You had the freedom to say, let's, let's break our sex fast early if we want to. Let's, right. In other words, communication, talking about it together, praying together, seeking intimacy with the Lord. As you, I love the way you said that. The only reason to break the sexual intimacy that we have is to gain intimacy together with the Lord. Yes. That's a wonderful way to say that. Well, it keeps the picture intact. And um, because, seriously, spiritual intimacy is, (laughs) it's, it's really so beautiful and I, when when we are spiritually intimate we see each other's souls i mean there mm. is a there is a knowing that is so much deeper than physical mm-hmm. and and this is what i feel like after many years of marriage and many years of seeking the lord together and and fellowshipping with him um has has brought to our lives a a deep knowing and understanding mm-hmm. of each other that yeah. that would not it's not just sex that's right yeah that's it's, not the end all yeah we should feel that just like we do with God <clears throat> I'm seen I'm known yeah he it's you know how sometimes people say I love you man but maybe they don't really know you yeah. so it's kind of a empty right. you know I love you uh, and with God, He knows us more than we know ourselves. So true. And He loves us. Yeah. And so He sent His Son to die for us. That's how a husband is to know his wife, how a wife is to know her husband. That intimately, to know every part of each other, to listen well together, mm. to, even as we're studying here, Jody, I'm asking you questions and trying to draw out of you. You know, this is how a husband is to lead. I don't do it perfectly, of course. I talk too much. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're to draw out of one another. To, you're always asking me questions, mm. you know, to... to Understand. Yeah, help you understand the scriptures. I'm, to be fair, asking you questions. <laughs> you know, hey, what does this mean? Mm. You know, and, and boy... I love talking it out. Yeah, yeah it's Usually so fun. you'll have something that I understand better after having asked you. Mm. Um, and so here we are representing the intimacy that Christ has with his church by the act of sexual intimacy, of knowing one another that much that we are one together. So this passage is summarized in verse 33. What does that say? However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. 
It's interesting that it says each one of you must love his wife. That's a summary of the whole chapter because that's what you see Jesus doing on the cross. Yeah. He's loving his wife. He was. He did. He, he, he is. was loving her unto death. He was loving her by putting her needs ahead of his own. Yes. He was loving her by dying to give her eternal life. He was loving her by dying to break the power of sin. He was loving her on the cross. He loves her today. Yeah. He ever lives today to intercede for her, yeah. to stand in the gap between her and God the Father, to be her advocate, to take her place again before the Father, mm. and to intercede, right? To pray for her. All these things a husband is to do. Yeah. To be your wife's advocate. Yes. To pray for her, to intercede for her, to stand with her. That's what Jesus does. He's not just our intercessor, which is someone who comes between two parties. He's our advocate. He actually moves over to our side and takes our side. Right. And and all these a husband is to do. You know, and and the wife is to respect her husband. How many marriages, Jody, have been ruined by the wife refusing to respect the husband? Yeah, I mean, it's true. And a lot of wives like to say, oh, well, when he becomes respectable, I'll respect him. And unfortunately, that's not how it works in the in the kingdom of God. Um, uh, and I shouldn't say unfortunately. I should say, you know, to the glory of God, because, listen, the gospel is what makes all the difference. When we respect our husbands, we are showing respect to Jesus Christ. And when we don't, it it we are disrespecting Jesus. So it is imperative that we Christian wives respect the office, that we respect our husbands as those who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Um, and if you have an unbelieving spouse, First Peter 3 speaks to that about living a pure and holy life in front of them so that you can win them without a word. So wherever you go, whichever way you look, if you have a believing spouse, an unbelieving spouse, it, this, this um, aspect of respecting that man is very important. And you must see Jesus because he is our eternal spouse. So when you respect your physical husband, you are respecting your eternal husband, Jesus Christ. It's very important. And it does make a huge difference in the relationship. That, I'm glad you said that. It's The reality is that nowhere in Scripture, at least in this passage, or that I know of, um, the command to respect is not given to the husband, to his wife. He's told to love right. her. The command to respect is given to the wife right. uh, to respect her husband. There are relationships right now, maybe some that are even listening to this podcast, where the husband feels totally disrespected. Sure. And, and because of that, the relationship doesn't flourish. What he says doesn't hold any weight. Maybe the kids are not taught to respect the man. And, and so this is making the relationship um, not flourish. It's a broken relationship. Um, and maybe, you know, the wife would want to go to the husband, first of all, to confess to God, I've not respected you. 
Uh, I've not respected you by respecting my husband. And to confess that to the husband, I'm so sorry. I've not respected you and God helping me, I'm going to learn how to respect you. Maybe the husband is realizing he has not loved his wife. Yeah. He, he's made her feel unloved, unwanted, undesirable. And if that is true, he is breaking his marriage to bits. Mm. And he needs to go to God and confess his sin. And he needs to go to his wife and say, I can see I have not loved you. I have not given myself for you. I've put relationships ahead of you or work ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Of course, a man has to work. That's what he's given to do in life is to earn a living. But he's to love his wife and she's to feel loved, feel that he puts her ahead of other people and other things, that he desires her sexually. Do you know what will keep a man from desiring his wife sexually? Is if he meets his own needs, gratifies his own flesh. Yeah, true. Or finds some other relationship. Well, I'll tell you, he is not going to need his wife sexually. If he gratifies himself and and meets that need sexually, well, he will stay apart from his wife possibly for years. Mm. See, God has made me to desire you. Right. And if I meet that need myself, then it reduces the desire. Mm. Whereas if I refuse to gratify the less of myself, if I refuse to take matters into my own hands, if I refuse that, I will begin to really desire you Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm not meeting that need elsewhere. Mm. And you feel wanted mm-hmm. and desired, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, um, for both couples, this is why we say this. People probably think it's our, our um, favorite thing to say, but I think it is, um, which is that we must preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We must ever be looking to Jesus Christ and his cross because this is what will transform um, our uh, these, these, um, directives, right? It makes it not a, um, a burden, you know, you must respect, you must love. Um, and I'll love, I'll respect him when he loves me and I'll love her when she respects me. You know, there becomes, it, it becomes law when you look at it that way. But when you look to Christ and his cross and especially when you do that together. But even if you can't, let's say for, for wherever you're at in your relationship that is one-sided, you only you are looking to the cross. I urge you to keep looking, keep coming to the cross of Christ every day and washing. And when you do that, if you're a man, you will be able to love your wife. If you are a wife, you will be able to respect your husband because you have seen Jesus and you have received love from him and you've been filled up by him. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to do these things. These are not meant to be done apart from the cross of Christ, apart from the gospel. Right. They can't be done. Exactly In fact, right. it's a supernatural thing for a wife to respect her husband and a husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Right. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to close with two questions that I want to ask you, and I want to ask you to make your answer short. (laughs) We're running out of time. Okay. Number one is, what can I do to make you feel loved? And I think it's important that husbands ask their wives that. What can I do, honey, to make you feel loved by me? And the second question is, what can a wife do to respect her husband? 
And so those two questions I have for you, what are your thoughts about the first one? What can I do to make you feel loved? Well, for me, um, at this you know, at, at different stages in my life, I probably would have said different things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we had small children, help me! <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. But at this stage of my life, it is keep, and um, that would have been immaturity on my part because it would have been short-sighted. But now, um, where I'm at today, it's keep leading me to the cross, keep worshiping Jesus with me, keep feeding me the gospel because that's what feeds my soul and that's what changes, transforms my mind, conforms me into the image of Christ instead of being conformed to the world, right? That's what I really need. God has um, matured me to the point where I can see beyond the temporary and see the eternal and this is what the focus and the orientation of my heart is now is I want to be preparing myself for my eternal role as the bride of Christ, right? And not just, you know, getting through today, right? Excellent. So, I love that. That's that's a spiritual answer. And actually, every woman is crying out for that, whether they know it or not. It is true. They want their husbands to lead them to the cross, to lead them spiritually. What's the answer to the second question? How can a wife respect her husband? Right. And I'm just going to say the main way I have discovered um, to respect you is to speak words of life to you, right? When I speak the gospel to you, when I um, relate to you according to the truth of the gospel, submitting to you, making your job easy, right? Um, helping you out in whatever your goal or orientation is for the day, Um, building you up, not with fake flattery, but with true gospel truth. That is respecting you, and it builds you up. I can see it in you, Um, and it changes everything. You know, it it can um, really strengthen the relationship so much when a wife does that. So just speak. Build your husband up in the gospel. Build him up as who he is in Christ. And if you're married to an unbeliever, pray for that man and and speak words of life to him. Words You may not be able to commend him for his faith in Christ because he doesn't have any yet, but you can commend him for something. There is something about uh, your husband that you can say that's positive and you can focus on that for him. And that will hopefully give you a voice into other areas of his life. Yeah, you know, the scriptures tell us to only speak that which builds up. Absolutely. Only speak that which builds up. In the the Old Testament, we're uh, shown a wife who might tear down her house you know, to pluck her own home, plucks down her own homes by, by ripping it apart, by tearing down her husband, speaking evil of her children. We are to speak only that which builds up. And even if, um, a marriage has an unbelieving spouse, there are usually all kinds of things about that unbelieving spouse that are good. Maybe he's a good provider. Maybe he's a good listener. Maybe he's done something, you know, in the home for the kids or, you know, in some way he has evidence, some quality that you can can build up, that you can speak well of. So that's how to respect, isn't it? It's how to respect Absolutely. your husband is to let him know that you respect him. You can even say the words, you know, 
In the past, I haven't respected you, and that's my bad. Um, but from now on, Lord helping me, you know, I'm sorry, and I'm going to change to listen to what you say, to respect you, and uh, that can help the marriage. So, Jody, I've really loved studying through Ephesians 5 with you. Thank you for taking time to interact with me around this passage, and it's been good for my own heart, and I hope for our listeners, too. Absolutely. I've loved it. Thank you. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.